another edition of the Varsity Podcast. We are back again. Man, Sponge, we got some uh, good stuff to talk about from last week and also um, kind of unveil our midseason high school football awards. So let's talk uh, about the big one right off the bat, Trinity Christian Bowls last week, number one and two in the area. It was kind of the game we circled on the calendar, and um, man, turned out to be quite a letdown. Yeah, definitely a clunker. Uh, Not build up to uh, the living of a one-versus-two matchup. Sometimes you hate when, uh, you know, you hype up a game so much and then it just doesn't live up to expectation, whether or not just one team just doesn't play well, you know, or just one team is just far superior. You know, I definitely would eat a little crow. You know, I was repping my TC boys, and they definitely uh, did not come out to play very well. Comboed with Bowles is a really, really good team, which we already knew. And we, we knew you know, that. We discussed that. And like, you know, it wasn't a big surprise. You know, Bowles' defense is as advertised for sure. You know, now looking at them live and in color, you know, everybody knows Baby McCaffrey, Cade Fruit is a problem in the backfield. So, you know, you were just hoping that you would get a good game. And, you know, obviously it didn't live up to that expectation. Yeah. But, you know, I think going forward, both teams will be all, all right. You know, it's just a kind of a bragging rights type deal. You know, that rivalry coming back, we talked about that. And, you know, just, you know, have a 35 nothing blowout. Kind yeah, of I, I did not see that. I picked Bulls by three. I thought it would be a closer game. Uh, it turned out to be a running clock game. Really, I, I think kind of got away from them uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. It was 14-0 at half. Um, really kind of changed the complexion of the game late in that third quarter and right in the uh, the opening of the fourth. Trinity, I, I thought, just struggled to get that ball, basic things from center to quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, Kotlin Hurley had been tearing teams apart this year. He never got comfortable in that game the other night. I think that's a credit uh, to that Bulls defensive front. Um, we're going to talk a, a little bit about um, some of these guys further on in the podcast, but I thought Bowles on both sides of the ball, even talking to, to Verlin Dormady heading into that game, he was uh, concerned about Bowles' size and strength on both fronts, uh, the offensive line and the defensive line, and I think both of those units really changed the complete Defin- outlook definitely. of the game. They're, they're, you know, obviously everybody talks about game. Games are won in the trenches. You know, your offensive line, your defensive line, you know, definitely Bowles, that's – two of their strong suits. You know, I was thinking it was more going to be a shootout type game, kind of like the St. Augustine game. And, you know, figured Trinity would put up some points, but it kind of just didn't go that way. You know, like you said, 14 nothing at the half. You know, Trinity was getting the ball coming out of the second half. You're like, okay, maybe they can get something going. And it just never materialized. I think the biggest swings in the game were that uh, drive where they got the turnover on a muff punt that Bowles had. Got the ball in decent field position, you know, came up empty, three and out, nothing. Then they punted to Bowles, they punted to Bowles, pinned them back a little bit. Bowles then had to punt from their own end. I think they were inside the 10. The guy shanked it. Trinity got the ball at the 40 going in, 40-plus territory. Next play, sack, fumble. Sack and fumble. And it kind of just – it, it kind of just – you had two great field positions right there where you can, maybe could have got, you know, a score to cut it to a one-score game. Never happened. Then kind of it was just a kind of wearing down, wearing down, wearing down. You know, defense is on the field so much, and then you know, Cade Fru pounding it. You know, cuts a big few runs, and then it was just had they out been able to to come out and yeah. make that a one score game, right? It, could, it just it the makes the game different. Third quarter, it makes the game different. That that third quarter literally was just trading possessions, swapping and, and, and what turnovers, happened, and the big the big thing with that is they bowl flip field position on them. You know, they they Trinity had two good 
areas where they were, you know, possi- possibly, you know, in positive territory to say, hey, let's cut it to one. Didn't get it. Traded field, traded uh, punts back and forth a couple of times, but Bowles ended up penetrated at the one. You know, that, that gave, basically set them up for a decent field position to, you know, make it a 21-point game. And I, after that, it was like, you know, this thing's definitely over. And I thought, you know, credit to, to Colin Hurley, freshman quarterback, I thought that play after Bowles pinned Trinity at the one, um, Colin. Yeah, he scrambled um, for about a 12-yard gain to yeah, at least get him out of there. But then it's just that was, that was, drop I, balls. Like you said earlier, uh, the center got hurt. The center exchange on shotgun snaps were bad. It was, you know. If it wasn't one, the next play, you know, it was just like every other play, you know, you're having to jump for a ball or go, you know, Darnell Rogers is grabbing one, Webb's jumping on a ball. I mean, it was just bad center exchange, and that just happens sometimes. Not and, good. And, and that really happens when why you got a guy in front of you who like 44 and 47 yeah. breathing down your neck, you know, things things uh, speed up really quick. Yeah, and um, yeah, I thought that play after that Bowles pinned Trinity on the one in the third quarter was probably Collins' best play of the second half where he scrambled out, avoided a, a sure safety in the end zone by stepping around two guys and ran for about a gain of 15. Um, and that just kind of shows you how difficult that defense was to navigate when you're talking about a 15-yard run um, as kind of a highlight of the yeah. second half offensively uh, for Trinity Christian. And, you know, again, I know the center snaps were, were a problem, but that Bowles defense is – legit and Trinity Christian um, who was number one in our Super 10 going into that game found that out not never expected 35-0 in that yeah, game. Yeah 35 nothing is probably a little bit you know overblown on the score you know they definitely were two three touchdowns better obviously but you know the, the big run late in the game helped tack on a you know the fourth touchdown and then you know that was crazy was that that kickoff where it ended up just lingering around and hung out at the four-yard line. <laughs> and it was like a, you know, onside kick that they recovered. It looked like the ball was going out of bounds, you know, just to add insult to injury for another six on the board, just to like, you know, 35 nothing, just get off the sticks, it get was, out of here. It was an unbelievable game. Uh, certainly not what we expected, but um, that was a one-two matchup. Uh, a couple other games in the area last week that uh, I need to brush up on. Um, pretty uh, pretty good one between Reigns and Parker. I thought that was really kind of a test uh, for Parker in that game. They did not win that game. Yeah, we, Reigns, talk, we talked about them offensively. You know, could they get yeah. it going? And they really couldn't. Reigns uh, thirteen to nine in that game. I thought that was a bigger test for uh, for Parker uh, than it was for Reigns district game. Uh, but Reigns came out and, and got that victory. Really, two very good defensive teams. I think Parker's going to be fine. They needed a test like that. Um, now they've seen two really solid defense, maybe two and a half. Yuli's a, a pretty good defense, but seeing Riverside and seeing Reigns and seeing a Yuli, uh, pretty good defensive uh, teams that Parker has to scratch something out on offensively. And I'm still not sold on Parker's offense uh, going forward. They need to find a way to put some points offensively on the board and not put so much on pressure, their defense. Yeah, the pressure on their defense. Is so I, I think I think Parker and Reigns will be fine, but Reigns. With that big thirteen to nine win there, um, another one last week. West Nassau gets its first win, pretty good for the Warriors. They were in our Bolt City Showcase beginning of the year, forty four forty three over another Bolt City Showcase team, Orange Park Episcopal. I covered the Episcopal Baldwin game. Baldwin with two touchdowns on one on a kick return, a ninety four yard kick return, and one on a punt return uh, right before the half. But Episcopal comes back last snap of the game. Urshad JC takes the carry and is pushed about five yards into the end zone. Unbelievable way to end that yeah. game. A walk-off touchdown where his offensive line just kind of pushed him, him in there. and his momentum 
uh, got him across that goal line. So 20-14, to 14, the Eagles win that one. Uh, pretty crazy for a walk-off win when you have your yeah. offensive line. Your guy's one of my 7-on-7 guys. Yeah, he's push you good. across the, yeah. the goal line. So yeah, uh, Baldwin, my boys out there, they're struggling on offense. They're kind of struggling. They've had some injuries, but like I say, that's that's a tough way to lose on, like you say, walk-off fashion when you're – you're basically your O line just carries you into the end zone. Yeah, it's not even a hail mary or anything. If you've not seen uh, the Twitter highlight of that, Episcopal sent that out on Twitter last week. Pretty crazy when you think of a walk off finish. It's either a field goal, hail mary, some kind of wild finish. But this was Episcopal offensive line just kind of pushing Urshad JC about the last four yards of that uh, that drive into the end zone and across the goal line. So pretty darn. A uh, crazy way to win. So those are the ones from last week that caught my attention. Oakleaf, uh, yeah. Sandalwood game was another one. 28-27 Knights uh, yeah. to win a big district game for them. Had yeah, they lost talked, that. We talked about Sandalwood. We talked about that game as being a potential like pitfall where you're in trouble because you're going to be down in that district and who, who was going to take the step up to do it. I mean, obviously 28-27, heck of a ball game. But, you know, Sandalwood now is looking at – we're in trouble. We, yeah, we, gotta, we, we need some wins and we need some lo- some losses for some other teams. Yeah, I, I think they are, if not mathematically eliminated, right about there to it. You've got Creekside, Bartram, Oakleaf. Yeah, that's tough. None of those guys yeah. have district losses. So, Sandalwood uh, not going back to the playoffs this year, barring something crazy on that side uh, in one A day. But uh, let's before we get to our Week 7 games um, to watch, we're going to kind of break this up by – you know, we've had a, a mid-season of games to look at, so uh, Sponge and I wanted to kind of look at this and say, hey, if we're picking our three best players, offense and defense, um, you know, not declaring a player of the year yet or anything, but I think we wanted to kind of take a look at that and, and what are the three best players on offensive defense that we've both seen. So, Sponge, I'm going to let you start it off on the offensive side of the ball. Who are your three uh, three guys at midseason? Three best players in the midseason, you know, I got to give – I've been talking about him a lot on this podcast, clouting him up a little bit. He's he's really had a, a heck of a season to start is my boy Marcus Stokes out at Nice at quarterback. He's uh He's been putting up big numbers. I actually, before I got over to the Bulls Trinity game, you know, my uh, nephew's been in the Nice band for four years, so I had to – it was senior night for them, so I had to go – wifey said, you got to go represent your, your nephew. So I was like, all right, I'll go out there. I was like, I'll check my boy Stokes out, represent the nephew, and then I'll get over to Bulls Trinity. So I got to watch the first half of that uh, Nice First Coast game. So, you know, I got a first taste at looking at Stokes this season, um, and he was pretty impressive um, running and passing, and they put up 35 spot in that first half. So it was a pretty good showing for him. But on the year, number-wise, he you know, he's completed 81 of 128 passes for 1,210 yards, 12 TDs to only two interceptions. And then he's ran the ball pretty well for about 278 yards and four, uh, four touchdowns. So he's got 16 total touchdowns, you know, over 1,500 yards of total offense. He's, he's basically the engine that runs that team. You know, we've talked about, you know, them making a big step up. Obviously, this Friday they've got a huge, huge battle with St. Augustine. You know, that, that'll kind of set them up to where, okay, are they for real or are they pretender? You know, I think uh, – He's definitely going to keep you in every ball game, you know, so a lot of it, you know, will depend on, you know, how good their defense plays, you know, the playmakers around them. Their wide receiver is really good too, uh, Dom. Dom Henry, he's, yeah. He's, he's, been, he's been his go-to guy. So uh, Stokes is definitely my leader, you know, in the clubhouse when it comes to the quarterbacks. Uh, running back to, I think, no surprise, he's been a guy who's really been a stud for his whole career. Baby McCaffrey, Cade Frew, he's uh, toting the rock again. 
You know, there's a lot of good backs in Jacksonville, but I I think he's the top back right now. I mean, so everybody can say they like this guy, that guy, and the other, but Frew's my guy. He's got over 873 on the ground, 14 touchdowns. He's been a monster. And then my third guy is kind of a jack-of-all-trades guy. He's one of my 7-on-7 guys. You know, it's not no bias here, but he's really putting up big numbers for Reigns, and that's K.J. Kareem Burke. He's got over 588 yards on the ground because he's basically had to go to running back because – They've had an injury at running back. So he's got about 600 yards on the ground, 300 yards receiving, three touchdowns there. He's got a total of five touchdowns and about 900 all-purpose yards too. So he's kind of like their their weapon, you know, return game, receiver, running back. So my three guys would definitely be Marcus Stokes, Cade Frew, and uh, K.J. Burke right now. Yeah, we're, we're very similar to that. I think Cade Frew kind of stands out after that performance against Trinity – um, Cade has been doing it every year since yeah. he got in this lineup for Matt Toblin. Um, I look back to him as a fresh or as a as a sophomore against Miami Booker T. Washington in the state championship game and how well he performed, kind of as an undersized guy getting that first big taste of action um, in that championship game. And you knew he was going to be a special player. He's continued to grow, and he's got a great offensive line in front of him. But you know, Bowles doesn't have that passing attack that it's had in the past. And you still know Cade Frew's getting the ball. Yeah. Just about probably 20 times a game. And yeah, you he can't had 20, stop him. What do you have? 24 carries for 183 last Friday against Trinity. And, so, and like, like we said before, I think Bowles has the good timely passing to combo that to where it's like, you know, you, you know Frew's getting the ball, but then, you know, they can, they can wrinkle in some passes. It's not just like a wing T offense. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's, it's, he's getting the ball, but they, they actually, you know, run some RPO with even DJ and, and Jackie Judge can run it a little bit. So, the offense Bowles has got going is really clicking with that big O line, but you know, Fru is definitely the engine that runs that thing. Yeah, so he he would be my number one guy right now, and I'm going to agree with with you on Marcus Stokes. I think he's been um, hellaciously good in in getting that offense back together, really the program back together. And this was a one win team a year ago, and, and it takes a quarterback a lot of times to to lead ignite that charge. And I think Marcus has done uh, a exceptional job of that he's only a junior yeah. uh two uh, 12 passing touchdowns only two picks uh i think the the challenge for him this week is doing that getting a signature win against san augustine which has been uh really a, a thorn in the side of area or st john's county teams for as long as they've been around so they they own that nice series I believe Nice only has five wins all time against St. Augustine since yeah. that began in uh, 1981. So that's that's a huge step up in competition. I know they've faced Creekside already and lost to them. But St. Augustine for so long has been the measuring stick in St. John's County. Um, nice has been there a long time since 1980-81. Um, to, to be able to beat St. Augustine uh, on a season like this when last season was so poorly and a lot of those guys on that current Panthers team suffered through that and – they're five and one right now. They're ranked in our Super Ten. Uh, they've got an inside track on a district championship. Um, you know, I know that the Fletcher game here soon is going to be huge. The Fleming Island game is going to be huge for Nice district wise. But St. Augustine on the schedule this week, I think, is is right behind those two games for sure. uh, in terms of what can Nice do. We saw St. Augustine play bowls to a, a five-point game. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a huge measuring stick for Marcus and Nice will go a long way, I think, in, in helping determine who that best player in the area is. So my those are my two guys, and I, I'm i going to put a third with an asterisk. I'm going to go Colin Hurley. I know he had a terrible game against uh, against Bowles last week, uh, but until that point, he had been 
carving teams up. Yeah, he lit it up. He's, yeah, he's had, it up, man. had a plus 14 um, touchdown to interception ratio going into that game, uh, and he's only a freshman. I think the best things are, are yet to come for Colin, but you got to throw him in there, I think, as being uh, one of those early season offensive leaders. And, yeah, I think guys uh, like Mike Mitchell at, at Middleburg, granted you've not played the, the competition uh, of, of the Trinities and the Bulls, uh, so to speak. So uh, I think what he has done for Middleburg, not at almost a thousand rushing yards, thirteen touchdowns for a four and one Middleburg no, team that was. He's, he's been he's been toting it. Yeah, too. has been has been terrible for quite some time. Uh, really good turnaround there for those guys, and I think those are they're kind of in a same the same breath as like a Preston Strope. You know, the 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 backs are very good this year. Really diverse and spread out though, so you got to give those guys a little bit of mention. So we'll flip back to you, Sponge. Defensive three players this season at the mid-year point. I mean, it's, it's hard not to go with the 44 and 47 for the Bulls. <laughs> yes. I mean, those two those two guys wreck havoc, and they will cause problems against anybody and everybody. I mean, Schwartz and Pyburn are awesome. I mean, they're big, physical, fast, strong. They got it all. So, you know, those two guys are – Two of my favorite guys that I've watched in, in the area, and then I would have to go with my my, my five star in, in Duval Slim, Mr. Jaheim Singletary over at Riverside. You know he's always going to lock down one side of the field and be you know he can even come on offense and give you a little you know a little flash, give you a little receiver action and catch a touchdown. So th- those are my three guys. You know there's there's other plenty of guys on defense in the area that are really really good, but. Those are three of my favorites right now. Yeah, and I think, you know, almost Bowles is almost the uh, committee guys. I mean, you've got Hayden Schwartz on the defensive line. Jack Pyburn uh, is just a monster. Uh, Pyburn's got seven sacks, leads the team in tackles. Um, And then you've got a a third guy at Bowles, Spencer Surface, in that secondary who – I mean, he was at part in three turnovers in a game uh, the week before the Trinity game, and he has just been a wrecking ball, two interception returns for touchdowns. But if I'm picking one of those Bulls guys, I would – probably lean towards Pyburn um, over Schwartz and, and Surface um, in in my ranking of the Bulls guys. But, yeah. man, all three of those guys are I even love. I even love they, they got a safety, Kayvon Miller, mm-hmm. who also comes in at receiver. He, he played 7-on-7 seven seven with us last year as a sophomore. You know, he was on that 15U team. So, you're like, you know, this kid, he's up and coming. By about tournament two, I was like, hey, buddy, you need to come up here and uh, play on the 18U <laughs> squad now because uh, he's, he's definitely – a baller. So, like, he's a guy to look at, you know, in the next two seasons, you know, as he's he's still a young guy, he's a junior, so he's still got two more years. So, Bulls' defense all around is pretty good on all they are, levels. They're good. It just so <laughs> there's not a weakness on that defense. And, um, you know, I think Verlin was prefacing his, uh, his, his concern before that game with what they did so well up front in the trenches. And, Man, those guys really went out and, and validated that. Hayden Schwartz on the defensive line. You know, his dad was a, the, the second pick by the Jaguars, the second-round pick, the first second-round pick in franchise history back in 1995. So you can uh, see he's got good genes. He went mm-hmm. on to become a pastor, and I actually heard him speak a couple times and uh, pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty good motivational speaker from the pulpit. But, man, Hayden Schwartz, game-changer on that defensive line. His dad was a linebacker. Uh, Hayden on that defensive line going to Nebraska. But I have to put Pyburn up at the front of those Bulls guys. Just yeah. a menace, couple safeties already, and really the hit of the season uh, I think he had in that uh, St. Augustine yeah. game where he leveled a ball carrier in the backfield. 
Uh, my other guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jamil Jones from Baker County, a uh, guy in the secondary, five picks on a pretty good Wildcats defense, and um, these two guys are almost interchangeable for me. Christian Ufazada from Creekside, he's got five sacks, 50 tackles, and uh, Vincent Aprobato from Creekside. Those two guys, almost like the Bulls defense, is really very. Very different, very difficult to uh, differentiate those guys because they make such impact plays. But Creekside's had a fantastic start to the year, six and zero. Defense has has performed very well, starting in that Week One Bold City Showcase uh, game against Rebalt, and they've just continued to check it down week after week after week. I think a lot of teams, like a Riverside team, a Bartram yeah, Trail team, yeah. it's almost the sum of their parts are greater than one individual player. No Singletary. Right. At Riverside is the headliner there, but they are so good on the defensive line and yeah, the middle of the field all, too. They're good at all three layers. They've got guys who kind of just—it's just, it's just in, in, almost in a system type thing where they just got studs across the board. So as a unit, yeah, they're really I, really good. So and, like Riverside has one of the best defenses, obviously in the city. Bulls, you know, and then like you know, you're talking about uh, Bartram, they've got ton of D1 guys on that front. They've got a lockdown corner in Sharif Denson. So like. They've got a layer, you know. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with that where, you know, not necessarily one guy has stood out to where, you know, multiple guys make the whole unit really, really good. Yeah, and I think with Singletary, uh, he, he almost reminds me of a Kevin Tolliver in a sense at Trinity. Back in the day, you look at his stats and they're not overwhelming. Yeah, um, people don't throw at him. You, you know, know, in high school, hard to get in high school picks. ball, you're not going to see those guys. Um, you know, Sean Wade was was yeah. an exception, I think, um, for me at Trinity when he had seven interceptions as a senior. Uh, but a guy like Jaheim is almost like the, the Kevin Tolliver sense where teams just don't even look his way. The stats don't really reflect it. You know, stats, you, you look at stats and you say, Jaheim's only got 10 tackles, one pick. It's not that impressive. But no. when you consider that he's probably getting the ball thrown at him, um, maybe with any kind of regularity two times yeah, a game. Watch, just watch the tape. Yeah, you know, so it's – His guy's not getting open. His guy's not getting the ball thrown to him. Yeah, so. and very similar to me to, to Kevin Tolliver at Trinity um, back in the, the mid-2010s was he just did not have stats, and that yeah. was because teams didn't yeah, look Tolliver, his way. Tolliver's best plays on highlights were offensive yeah. plays. You know, him at going to quarterback running wildcat or going to receiver and catching, you know, a slant pass and going 60. But he didn't have, like you said, uh, interceptions. He might, he might have had some big hits and tackles like that, you know. But, yeah, you don't really see corner. When it, put it this way, it's a good thing sometimes when you don't have a lot of stats yeah. at corner. Cause you, you're you chasing know, guys. You know you're, not yeah. getting, you know you're not getting beat, and you know you're not intercepting balls because they're not throwing balls your way. So Yeah, and I think that's what um, almost dilutes how good Singletary's been for four years is uh, his stats as a senior – really don't reflect his contributions this year for one that the the guys in front of him the 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 probably the seven guys in front of him are just playing lights out ball and not giving him the chances I think Riverside got the best defense in town yeah um and and teams when they do have those chances are definitely not looking in the way of Jaheim Singletary one of the best corners in the country so those are our mid-season players to watch um kind of the the best at mid-season for Sponge and I a lot of similarities between um, between our selections. I think those guys have been the standouts so far. As we move ahead to Week 7, don't have that really huge game on the schedule no. like we had with Bulls Trinity last week. So uh, what are a couple games that jump out to you? I'm, I'm interested in seeing Bulls versus Clearwater Academy. Yeah, thrown-together game. The, yeah. the, other, the other Jacksonville team out of Clearwater. You know, this is their third Straight Jacksonville. Straight week. Yeah, yeah, so 
that game, like you say, just got thrown together. Um, I know I, I, I like bowls in the game, obviously, but, you know, I just want to see – because Clearwater, you know, going in, you know, we, we knew they had a good offense. Their passer throw, throw for throw over 11,000 yards in his career. And, you know, they ran the ball well. So, we'll see if they can get some balance. See if they can get the ball, you know, you know, moving on Bulls defense. You know, but that looks like an interesting matchup. Um, the other game that I that, – that, it, it's always a good game. It's always, you know, a competitive game is Lake City, Columbia, and Riverside. Yeah. You know, that's always, you know, a game – that is good, but right now I think the problem, I think Columbia's offense is struggling. So if you're going against, like we've just been talking about, a very stout Riverside D and you got problems on offense, that's that spells recipe yeah, it, for not so it good. It doesn't make me feel comfortable, yeah, I, Columbia, when you just put – I think Riverside handles that game, you know, but, you know, it's, it's still a game you got to circle because it's two quality teams. It's two two of the better teams in, 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 our, in our location. But, you know, it's just – you know that that it's still going to be a good game, hopefully, but Riverside with that defense and a struggling Columbia offense doesn't spell good. And then I think we 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 touched on it earlier too, the the St. Augustine Nice game. Yeah. And I think those those are the three games. And if I was to have to pick a fourth, you know, I got my TC guys. Yeah. Right? Again. I mean, they, like they they play one every week. You can almost say a game of the week for them every week. I mean, it's American Heritage Plantation. You know, coming down from Miami. Always loaded, five stars across the board. They got a ton of talent on offense and defense. They've kind of struggled a bit this year. Um, they're two and two, but I mean, they've played powerhouse teams yeah. that they played. So, you know, those are the four games definitely that, that are going to be good to watch in our area. This yeah, year. I'm going to agree with you on on three of those um, and just variety on the fourth. San Augustine East, I think, is is a headliner. Um, Columbia and Riverside, always a good one. You know, under OJ Small. Columbia had won the first three games in this series when it was Brian Allen, O.J. Small going head-to-head as coaches um, handily, put up 53 or more in three straight meetings. Two of those were shutouts. Lee at the time was not even competitive, even in the same breath as Columbia. I remember covering covering a couple of those games, and it was just a chasm how far apart those teams were from Mm -hmm. uh, one another. But something flipped in the playoffs of the the last year of that game, the 53-0 loss. Things changed that that year for Lee and, and O.J. Small, and ever since that time, Columbia has won one game against Lee, and Lee has won seven of eight since uh, that 2013 stretch. So it has been a remarkable turnaround for Coach O.J. Small in Riverside. Uh, this year, I think, looks to be the most open and shut case of things. Columbia's offense is really struggling. Treading water to put up points at 27 last week against a very, very below average West Side team. Um, so I think uh, Columbia's offense is ripe for uh, um, the picking, I guess, yeah. against that Riverside defense. For sure. And I think that's going to be good. It's such always such a good game. A couple years ago, playoff game ended at a double overtime field goal battle, 6 3. Uh, Lee wins that game in double OT. Yeah. So you can never tell what's going to happen in, in this Lee uh, River, or Riverside. Uh, Columbia series, but it has been unpredictable, and it has been uh, a good one to watch. The Bulls-Clearwater game, uh, Clearwater, uh, third trip in a row back to the area um, to face Bulls, the number one team. And I like as as the, the next game, I'm going to switch it up, Episcopal and Middleburg, a battle of four and one teams. Episcopal won on that walk-off fashion like we mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast, and Middleburg. Huge turnaround under Ryan uh, Ryan Wolf, but the thing I want to see from Middleburg 
is doing it against a good team. Yeah. Combined record of Middleburg's four wins, the opponents one in twenty. Yeah, that's bad. one in twenty. Woo. That's terrible. Um, so wow. Middleburg has been been uh, they feasted on some. Yeah, been been playing. You know, Santa Fe is winless. Um, Matanzas is one in five. Stanton is is winless. Um, so you just not Santa Fe is winless. You just don't have Gainesville yeah. East Side is winless. I'm sorry. Um, so you just don't have that body work. But that's sometimes that's hey, what you need. Put it this way. Is, hey, is, you 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 can only you're at the mercy of who you're playing. Yeah, so I mean, win the games you can. So yeah, put up put together. And I appreciate what struggling programs do. I mean, Nice did this back in Tebow's first year. Mm-hmm. They put a uh, you know a terrible schedule together. They started hot. Um, and granted, you started losing when you played better programs, but. You win those games that you weren't winning in the years past, even yeah. if, if they're against the uh, the smaller schools who you're going to massacre. That builds confidence, and that's what Definitely. Brian Wolf and, and the Middlework Broncos have done after just almost a decade of losing and struggles and one win and no win seasons. Uh, so it's good to see Middleburg turning the corner. I went out and, and uh, spent some time with those guys over uh, the summer, and it was really good to see them in the locker room. They were fired up, uh, weight training hard and heavy, and uh, knew that something special was coming this year, and it has. Yeah. So good for good to see the turnaround definitely from uh, from those teams. So that's uh, that is my four, and that's Sponge's four, very similar uh, to it. And we'll we'll talk to you again next week about uh, about football, and don't have that excitement of the one two battle, uh, but nonetheless, yeah, hopefully it'll be a good collection, maybe. Against, yeah, maybe the know. the kind of the sum of all parts well, instead of that one major getting, game. We are getting to the you know the area of the season where a lot of these district games and these matchups are going to be big for playoff positioning. Being in the playoffs, being out of the playoffs, your RPI ranking and all that stuff. So we're about to we're about to start getting into that hairy part yeah, of the season this, where it's like, you know, start win or go home type stuff. Yeah, and that's good. It's the it's the crunch time. You like to see it. This is crazy uh, to think. This is like we've blown. we're almost we're getting <laughs> close to playoff time. It's just it's crazy to think about that. So uh, volleyball note: Pontevedra, number one team in our Super Six rankings, finally lost mm. this past week after a fifty-one game winning streak that started uh, two years ago, over two years ago. They won the state championship, uh, the last two state championships. They lost to Clearwater Central Catholic out of Melbourne. Actually, I'm sorry, they lost to uh, Westminster Christian out of Miami and uh, in a in a tournament, a two-to-one loss to them. So great, still a great season for the Sharks. They're 19-1, heavily favored for a, another state championship. They've just been doing time and again. Coach Robin Minery, congrats on that success. 19-1, um, they're going to probably finish the regular season just with that one loss. Uh, pretty, I, I've said it on our podcast before and in our varsity newsletter, probably the best stretch of volleyball that this area will ever See, so very good performance by the Pontevedra girls volleyball team. Niche senior Reinhardt Harrison, he's been our cross country and track and field athlete of the year the last uh, couple of seasons. The niche runner set a state record 14 minutes 45 second run at the New World Fall Spectacular last weekend. That is a Florida high record, and he is just continuing to knock those down. You hear his name a lot more as we get uh, into this cross-country season, and certainly as we turn into track and field seasons. He's an Oregon commit, and uh, could see him on an Olympic stage one day. That wraps up another edition of the Varsity Podcast. Bunch Franklin, this is Justin Barney. Thanks for listening. See you